Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Atlanta Startup Podcast. My name is William Leonard, your host for today, and I'm really excited to be sitting down with one of Valor's newest CEOs in the portfolio, Michael Muchnicki. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, Michael, we're, we're really excited that you're taking over the leadership role at Physician 360, and you've got such an incredible background that really places you in this role now as a visionary to scale and grow P360. So maybe we can kick it off with a high level from your perspective of what Physician 360 is doing. And then I would love to dive into your background a bit and and why you felt like the company is ready to scale. Sure, sure. Now, happy to do that. Yeah, today where 360 is, it, it really does provide uh, a service, uh, a, a need uh, that's it's filling a need for for many patients, um, and and really gets back to really back to COVID. During COVID, there were 28 million people that uh, had a virtual visit with a provider through the years or through the through the pandemic, and in the last year, uh, we still had 27 million people reach out and have a virtual visit with a provider. And so basically it, it, it says that, you know, virtual care is still here and is not going anywhere and that patients really um, like it and, and kind of demand it in many ways. Um, uh, Physician 360 went through a couple of different iterations, but really is now a company that's a national platform that is in all 50 states. Uh, we have um, a group of physicians that support it that are on uh on basically on demand, uh, 365 days a year, uh, nine o'clock to nine o'clock for a number of different conditions, but really the conditions that most people go to an urgent care for or to their primary care. Um, and, and many times it could be a mom that has a child that's got an earache and they call the pediatrician's office and they can't get in until Thursday and today's Monday. And, um, so they go to the pharmacist and, and they, you know, talk to the pharmacist. They can get on board, they sign on, um, uh, log in with P360. They immediately have the virtual visit. It could be in the car, it could be on their iPad, it could be on their phone. Um, they have that done. And within 30 minutes, they're in and out of the pharmacy. And um, many people still go to and use the pharmacy in that way as a trusted uh, advisor uh, for their health care and uh, community pharmacies, especially in the rural areas. And um, so when I started to get involved and learn more about the opportunity, I immediately said, you know, we have so many challenges um, in healthcare. There's still a lot of them. And a lot of them uh, really bubbled up to the top during COVID. And and so there's been so many incredible, great companies that have started since COVID and have scaled and have done well and are making an impact on people's lives. I feel the same way about Physician 360 as we focus in on um, on the rural market. Um, my background is that I basically I, I run health plans most of my career and uh, physician practices and have been involved with care delivery for a long time in different ways. And uh, but one of the biggest challenges I I feel like is when you're out in the rural markets is that those people have different challenges than than we do that live here in Atlanta or live in an urban area. Um, They they and that's part of what the discussion around health equity is, is about. And um, and so when you when I started again considering taking this role, I did have the opportunity to go out and do some uh, focus groups. 
and um, and heard from some of the people that uh, you know how do they access healthcare? Uh, what's you know what is when you have a cold? You know, you have upper respiratory. What do you do? You know, if you don't have a doctor, and um, and if you look at statistics in the rural areas, they we generally have higher uh, uh, disease states uh, of cancer and heart disease, diabetes, those type of things because people don't have access to um care in many cases and so things progress and they get a little bit more advanced and so you know when you sit down and you talk to these people it really does open up your eyes uh, a bit and so how i looked at it is i know when i put my old ceo ceo hat on of being with uh health plans is that you know we have to we've got to you know we've got to get our services out to everybody they need access and um and so i've really believe that by using the local community pharmacy um, and facilitating that through that pharmacy with a uh, clinician, uh, you know, internal medicine board certified physician um, and getting them, getting their needs met, uh, we're going to increase the access to healthcare by on an average uh, for a health plan, about 25% in the rural markets. And when I go to my healthcare buddies that are still running health plans and we talk about, you know, challenges around rural, they're like, this is, this is a great service. You know, how do we expand it? Those were the, some of the indications that I was like, okay, this is, this really does have a lot of, uh, cause I talked to, I talked to physicians uh, that live in the rural communities and they're like, I can't take care of everybody I've got because there's just, there's an overwhelming amount of, of um, patients. Uh, same thing on the, on the pharmacies, all the big box pharmacies that the big retailers, they pulled out of the rural markets and, but the local community pharmacies are still there. Those are people that they trust. And, um, and people had been paying for uh Position 360 on a direct consumer basis out of their own pocket because the company didn't take insurance. And so with my background, I mean, obviously 20 plus years, 25 plus years of running health plans, I believe that I can scale the company pretty rapidly um, through my relationships with a number of health plans. And just in a very short period of time, we've been able to get um, a significant number of, of brand names uh, to sign contracts with us. Yeah, I'm going and that's such an interesting point, right? You talk about the original business model of being more D to C focused here. How do you think about scaling and reshaping a business model at this point of a company's maturity? What 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 goes into that practically from a CEO standpoint? Well, I think part of it is identifying again what what you're trying to accomplish, and um, and I think the. The original thesis of the company was around testing um, and um, and in-home tests and things like that. And that got to be a little bit consuming and not really efficient um, because there's other ways for people to get, have tests done. And so we were kind of moved away from the, the in-home test, letting the pharmacy, you know, facilitate that and really just getting into the, the care delivery component of it and and trying to make it simple and then also uh when we started speaking with health plans we also talked to them about gap closures and gap closures is is a term uh that you know if someone has diabetes making sure that they're having their a1c checked every quarter you know have they had a colonoscopy have they had their flu shot have they had those basically wellness type things done that the health plans are required to do, especially in the government programs arena, whether you're talking about Medicare or Medicaid. 
And um, and so there, there are certain criteria that they've got to hit from a quality metric standpoint. So they have a difficulty, more difficulty doing that in a rural market than they do in urban. And just because, again, there's a lack of access to care. And so if we can arm the pharmacists with tools to help us as a health plan operator, help the health plans um, achieve some of those goals, that that also is another opportunity. So it really kind of goes back to the, you know, what our value proposition is. Our value proposition kind of gets expanded um, from where it was when it was originally just a direct consumer. Um, we really, the direct consumer is always going to be, the patient is always going to be the center of our world, making sure that they get what they need in a, in a timely manner and, and that we follow up with them and so on. But I think um, the other two components to it that really become a part of the value proposition that isn't more expanded is that of the pharmacy, the role of the pharmacy, because they've their world has changed too uh, post-COVID. If you think about it, they all of a sudden during COVID, they started giving shots and taking doing tests. Um, every, every pharmacy had a line out the door. Um, so their lives changed too. And now post-pandemic, it's like, okay, how do we take what we learn during that period of time and then go forward with it? And so they play a significant role for us as well, too. And we need to just make their life as easy as possible. It only takes them a few minutes to facilitate and work with our physicians. Then our physicians take it over. And um, and so they, so we, I really think that we have like three value propositions, and that's one for the patient, one for the pharmacy, and one for the health plan. And um, and that's kind of a three-legged stool, as as they as they use the saying. Um, but those three working together, I feel that we can increase access to care. We can reduce the total cost of care, and improve people's health and wellness. And so overall, you know, make a difference. And I love how you break down the value prop there. Right, you want to increase access to care, decrease the cost of care, and P360 is so hyper-focused on rural markets today. So I would love for you to talk to us about the patient journey of care in rural market and how that differs from an urban market. Obviously, there are obvious glaring differences, but maybe you can highlight some of the non-obvious differences that exist in rural versus urban care. Sure. No, I mean, that's a that's a big deal. Let me tell you, because and you don't realize it until you go out and talk to people. I mentioned I referenced earlier a few minutes ago that I went out and did some focus groups with folks. Um, These are people that were in South Georgia uh, in the most rural, rural parts of Georgia where there aren't doctors for 20 miles. And, um, you know, met with eight to I think about 12 people, two different groups. Um, And then just listen to just ask them questions about you know, what do they do for basic healthcare when they have a cold? What did they do during COVID? You know, what did they, and, and, and what did they do when they're raising their kids? And then just listen to what their challenges are. And there, there are many, um, but the biggest one was just the access, ready access to a, uh, a provider. And that they felt that sometimes, you know, and this is when we talk about health equity and social determinants and things like that. But for them to have to drive 20 miles to go see a doctor, sometimes that also that tank of gas could be food on the table, you know. And so, I mean, there's it, it you continue to unravel this this yarn and there's just more and more issues because there's a big cost factor also that's associated with that uh, receiving that care. Uh, a diabetic, for example, that, you know, they 
they get diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, but they don't refill their meds because the doctor's too far. They didn't have it. They didn't get their, it didn't have it retested. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of things that happen and it kind of breaks your heart when you sit and talk to these people. It really does because the cost is higher for them generally too, just because as I said, the, the drive, uh, the out-of-pocket expenses, the amount of uh, under-insurance that they have. Many of them have high-deductible plans and that just have catastrophic-type coverage. So majority of, of these expenses are coming out of their pocket. And this is for routine care. And some of the things that happened also during the pandemic is that, you know, urgent care visits, you know, they, they kind of went down to the, the urgent care companies really went down and, and helped with some of these basic primary care needs. But since the pandemic, they've kind of gone back up to more high acuity type activities, taking uh, people from the emergency room, the overflow from there. And it's left the what I call the lower level uh, services of everything from a UTI or, or like I said, the upper respiratory, earache, sore throat, fever, things like that. Basic type things that you would go to a doctor for. All those things can be addressed virtually now, and and people don't know that. And so when I talk to these focus groups, talk to these people in the rural areas, and I told them, I said, you know, I asked them, I said, first off, you know, tell me who your pharmacist is. Oh my God, you you said they talk about who they were. Uh, They're all excited. They 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 talk to them just like they were talking about a family member or a doctor, and uh, so favorable. And I said, well, what if I told you that you'd be able to go to see him, and he could help you with a a, a virtual visit with a board certified physician to help you with that cold or that respiratory, or even if you got COVID again, you know, what if we, what if I told you we could do that and it would be covered under your insurance for the $0 copay. They're like, oh my God, that would be great. You know? And so, you know, I left those meetings thinking, I know we can make a difference here in people's lives. And that's, I mean, I, I always tell people a big part of me taking on this role is a mission, you know, is that I think we can make a difference. And, um, and that, that, that's pretty exciting too, for me. Yeah, it is. And no, it's unfortunate that as advanced as we are as a nation in a country, there are still pockets of the country where innovation just hasn't gotten to and hasn't infiltrated those people. And so we understand the high out-of-pocket expenses that they're facing, the underinsurance that exists the lack of access to basic care are some of the differences in the rural versus urban patient journey. What would you pinpoint as some of the maybe macroeconomic tailwinds here that are making adoption for P360 right and viable for right now? Well, my first couple months on the job, when I went and talked to a number of the CEOs here in Georgia, one in Maryland, uh, folks over in Arkansas, um, and these were these are CEOs and and very high level people at the insurance companies. And um, when, as soon as I started talking about it with them, they immediately said, you know, this is going to help us reduce our you know keep our premiums in check because what it does is they pay on an average for an urgent care visit one hundred and seventy to one hundred and ninety dollars uh, for that visit. And they're going to have, you know, costs that are probably half of that with us. And so, and they're going to have a higher patient satisfaction. And so from a, you know, when you talk about macro, I'm talking about total cost of a care of a patient. Um, that's where I also think we make a big difference that 
other, if you're talking about a regular urgent care center um, or, you know, even the emergency room. I mean, there those are, you, those are some of the highest points of access to care that you can get. And this is going to be much more affordable. And um and that's and that's exciting when when I talk to them because they they also believe that the P three sixty will also be a innovation that will increase their patient and their member satisfaction, which um, is a big part of Medicare Advantage right now. Uh, is focused in on the, the the satisfaction of the member, and um, and they really believe that that would be in, a big piece because that also drives the revenue that the company gets the health plans get from. CMS to care for those patients too. So, I mean, there, there's so many bigger levers and a whole scope of things. So the more people, the more people that use Physician 360, we'll have the power of the health plans behind us help promoting this so that we can get them into a lower cost of care, but a broader access. Right. That's great insight. I want to shift the conversation a bit more tactically now, because you've been operating as a leader of health groups and health plans for decades now you've you've run successfully run a few businesses in this space as well and i would love for you to talk about what it's like to come into a startup as a new ceo how you're adjusting ways that other potential ceos who are listening right now stepping into new roles later this year early next year what are what is some advice for how you're getting acclimated into the new role. I uh, again, I've had the opportunity to run businesses that have been multi-billion-dollar businesses that I've stepped into and, and grabbed the reins of. Um, I've also had the uh, great opportunity of working at very small startups as well. So I've got a big span, and I can tell you, walking into the the, the billion-dollar plans, things like that, is similar but not much different uh, because you gotta you gotta get in and you gotta learn your customer, you gotta learn your stakeholders, uh, you need to learn the levers that you have to pull to make the business business work. And um, so I did spend probably the first few weeks and I did have the opportunity before uh, signing on to the job to kind of pick their brain a little bit and learn more about the business um, and help formulate the strategy to pivot the company uh, from the direct to consumer to be, and we're not abandoning direct to consumer. That'll probably just be a much smaller piece of our business because 80, uh, 80 some percent of the population is insured. And so by taking on insurance companies, we'll be increasing that. But it really gets back to, I mean, my advice is, you know, get in, know your customer, know your stakeholders. The first thing I did was read, reevaluate the mission vision statement, uh, re, uh, the value proposition. That's why I came up and told you that, you know, we just don't have one. We have three that kind of roll in together that, that complement one another. It's doing those basic type things. And, and then it's also all about people. Um, I can't can't stress that enough. I mean, and whether I was running a big plan and I had six medical directors and, and you know, and a sales team and sales leaders and nurses and claims people and all of these different things, it doesn't make a difference. Um, it really does make a difference with the right people. And so it, it's really, really important uh, that you surround yourself with people that have the same passion that you do. I, um, I always considered myself more of an operating type CEO that kind of did understands enough into the weeds in each of the areas so that I can help lead the company and 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 be more of an innovator uh, to think of new ideas. So I've always been in those. I've spent a lot of my time doing turnarounds for some of the large payers, as well as growth opportunities and with new products and, and rolling those things out too. So that's why when I look at, um, I also see beyond what we're talking about, the scope of just health plans, um, there are so many other opportunities for us in this space, just not to focus just on health plans. 
but there are other people uh, within that are part of the whole $70 billion opportunity that we have in virtual care uh, that we can address. But right now we're trying to be very focused, uh, taking the direct to consumer, pivoting it and going forward. But uh, again, people, people, people is really important. Understanding your customer and um, and uh, and digging down into that and make sure you understand that. Yeah. And no, that's great insight, Michael, around people knowing your customer and outlining and articulating a vision and mission statement for the business as well. First thing I've ever done at, and with every company that I've gone into, especially in a turnaround situation where I've had turnarounds, I bring everybody together and we kind of say, okay, guys, what are we doing here? You know, uh, the company's gone sideways. It's not done well, or it's, it needs to go this direction. How do we, let's let, and let's start with this. And it's a piece of paper and a whiteboard and, and it's, and it's fun. And that, and that sets the tone and that's how you get a lot of momentum behind you. And, uh, it's it's the same thing in, in the small company, which I've really enjoyed so far. Yeah. And as we're wrapping up the conversation here, Michael, maybe zooming out from a 30,000 foot lens, right? You all are really, you all are at the intersection of innovating the patient provider, the payer journey here, specifically within the world of rural healthcare. What What gets you excited for the rest of this year and maybe 2024 and 2025? When you think about the possibilities that P360 here has to innovate in a in a post-COVID, post-pandemic world. It's two things. One is that I know we're solving a problem. I mean, a big problem for the health plans. Because uh, I know that I, 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 I was on that side of the house for so long. And I would be very frustrated with... God, how can we do a better job? You know, what what can we do? What's innovative for for the rural areas? Uh, but the biggest thing that gets me excited is that right now my phone beeps every time we have a consult that comes through, and and when I look and I see where they are, um, so many of them are in little towns that I've never heard of, whether it's in Arkansas, Maine, Texas, Louisiana, Montana, um, Georgia. Uh, wherever it can be, and I look at that, and the, and it, that part excites me because if we can get more dings on this phone every day, that means that we're helping more people, and um, and so we're we're really focused in on making sure that that journey that the patient has with us is easy, um, and and um, and is accessible, and and they that it meets their needs. Um, same thing with the the pharmacist. You know, we want to make it our software because we're basically what we've done. I mean, the, the secret sauce to all of this is we're taking just the existing infrastructure that's there. I mean, I'm not out building clinics. I'm not out building things. All I've done is built software that we're overlaying onto the existing infrastructure and and leveraging that and making it more efficient. And um, and that's the part that's exciting too, is that we're doing it at a much lower cost. So our our cost to the patient, our savings basically is being pushed right to the payer, to the consumer, so that they have a, a lower cost. So I mean, we're lowering the cost, but we're we're making a difference in people's lives, and that's the part that's made, gets me most excited. That those dings I get every day. We're here at Valor to support you as well. So. Michael, this has been a really fascinating and enlightening conversation around 
your background, the space that you all are building in, how you're innovating and reshaping how healthcare in a rural setting is being delivered. If you know there's a prospective investor, partner, customer listening, what is the best way for them to get in touch with you? Find me. You can. I'm pretty easy to find. It's either you can find me on LinkedIn um or uh at michael at uh, 360.co at this point uh those are the, probably the two easiest places to find me uh also 954-309-0770 it's a cell number that a lot of people have so feel free to to reach out um if, if you have a thought or or uh opportunity awesome michael we're excited about what you're doing at p360 and looking forward to the future together thank you so much for the time appreciate it today Thanks for being a part of the community of Courage by listening to the visionary founders and investors on the Atlanta Startup Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a single episode of the over 200 investors and founders sharing their insider tips and secrets to growth. Our regular listeners tell us we're the briefing room for the innovation economy in the fastest growing region of the country, the South, and when you subscribe, you become part of the inside circle. The Atlanta Startup Podcast is proudly hosted by Valor VC. Valor is a venture capital firm that leads seed rounds in AI and B2B SaaS startups. If you like the podcast, check out more of Valor's programs for courageous founders and investors, like Startup Runway. Over $100 million in early-stage venture capital is catalyzed through Startup Runway's grant-making program for pre-seed startups. Go to StartupRunway.org to learn more and apply directly for non-dilutive capital. Valor celebrates VC Day, the largest early-stage private capital conference in the region, at the end of the year. Top founders, leading VCs, endowments and family offices attend. Learn more at vc.day. At Valor, courage is the currency of innovation and the heartbeat of our culture. Thanks for listening and join us again next week.